Uh, the title of my sermon is this, Who's Having the Nightmare? My wonder this morning is who's having the nightmare? Are you having the nightmare? Is your family having the nightmare? Is it your place of employment having the nightmare? Uh, or is the enemy having the nightmare? I just wonder in the current state, in the condition of the churches, in the condition of the way that God is moving in our country and in our thing, who's having the headache? Who's having the nightmare? And we actually see this really interesting picture. It's where I get the idea for this sermon. And uh, it comes in Judges chapter 7. But what you see is Gideon has been called by God uh, to take over, to take out the Midianites. And so he's called to assemble an army and he's stressing, he's under pressure. He's certainly outnumbered. And he's saying, I feel like there's more against us because there are than that are for us. And I don't know how we're going to do this. And this seems insurmountable. I don't know how we're going to be able to over. So he's anxiety, depression, frustration, doubt, discouragement. And he gets this idea. I'm going to go down to the enemy's camp and I'm going to see what they're thinking, what they're plotting, maybe what they're plan is, and this is where we pick up the story, Judges chapter 7, verse 13. It says, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent, struck it, so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Verse 14, then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian, basically the enemy, and the whole camp. And so it was, Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, and he worshiped, key there, he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise, for the Lord has de delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Before Gideon ever fought the battle, it was already delivered into his hand. Before Gideon ever had to make the move, victory was already programmed for him. Are you with me today? My concern about the local church and our church and my life and Christians that we're seeing, my concern is the temptation that is falling upon Christians is it seems like we have more faith in the enemy than we do God. It's like all of a sudden when stuff's starting to happen and we're starting to read articles and we're starting to see things, it's all of a sudden like for some reason we're like, oh, 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 the enemy, he's going to get us. He's doing something. Oh, look at what they're scheming. Look at what they're building. Look at what they're doing. And all of a sudden we take God out of heaven. We put Jesus back in the tomb and we walk around like we have no power. I would almost say the amount of fear that you're allowing yourself to live in is probably in great comparison to how much belief you actually have in God shallow. Ronald McDonald says boo and we're all, oh, I don't want my kids to grow up in this world. Oh. Is Ronald McDonald a thing or do we take him away too? I don't, he's probably something wrong with him too. My wife's been telling me McDonald's is bad for a long time. So she was onto some, I know she took my happy meals away. Can you tell? <laughs> Oh, you guys are in for it. It's been 17 weeks. It's a 17-hour sermon. So how long does Facebook run for? Do we run out of tape? I don't know. The internet is forever. But it drives me crazy, right? It drives me crazy. Oh, did you see what they, oh, did they see? Someone better go tell God because he didn't know. God's so surprised by that. We better go tell God because God, come on. Who should be having the nightmare? The enemy or us? Do we already have the victory? Do we already have the provision? Has he already died on the cross for us? Then when are we going to start acting like it? 
We say, oh, 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 I'm having a nightmare. I'm having anxiety, depression. What's their next move going to be? I think hell ought to be waking up being like, oh, God, they're out of bed. What's their next move going to be? Do you got a Glock of God that we can turn on the enemy this weekend, right? You want a grenade of the Bible? It's like, oh, what do we want to do to them today? Let's get them with some worship. Are you with me? Let's get them with some loving one another. Let's get them with some talking right. Let's get them with some humility, right? Start heaping all the things that God's called us to heap. Are you with me? We're some heaping people. We're bringing honor back. Can I get amen, Peasley? It gets exhausting. It gets exhausting when we have so much faith in the move of the enemy and very little trust and faith in the move of God. It's like, it's like how, how frustrating would that be for you if you're God? He's like, all right, created this thing because I'm the creator. Is anyone else created? No one else is created. So I got that going for me. You'd think they would trust in the fact that I'm the creator. In the, I'm going to talk for days because this isn't even in my notes. But. So I'm the author and the finisher, and we're all going to freak out about what's happening in the middle? So I'm the creator. Oh, and then Adam did mess it up because he listened to the woman for a minute. And so, no, I'm just telling you the Bible. Why are you doing that to me? Did I say something unbiblical? <laughs> so it gets messed up. So what does God do? Oh, I'm out. I'm out. It's over. It's messed up. No, what does he do? He sends his perfect son and redeems mankind. Why? Because there is no defeat in God. There is no defeat in God. So he buys us back and he sends us the Holy Spirit, which the scripture says is power and it's might. And we have that moving on our behalf. You're not at a disadvantage. You're at the advantage. So we got the Holy Spirit and, and God is moving and he's bought us back and we have eternity with him. So yes, there is this battle and spiritual and there is things going on that we need to be aware of. But we don't need to be scared about them, and we don't need to be afraid, and we don't need to be living in fear and doubt and anxiety and speaking negatively. Instead, we need to be speaking the prophetic promises that God says over our life, and those prophetic promises give our enemy a nightmare. Amen. I believe we ought to wake up and move about our day, and they have hell going, oh, no, they're doing it again. Yeah. Oh, no, they're coming together again. Oh, no, they're praying for one another again. Are you with me? Amen. So before the battle even begun, it was delivered into their hand. We should be charging hell, not running. Amen. We see enough demonstrations. When are we going to start believing God for some demonstrations of power? Amen. Demonstrations of incredible acts of love and forgiveness and humility. And Are you with me? Yeah. Oh, there's another demonstration. Oh, there's the devil doing it again. Things are getting worse. I'm fearful my kids are going to grow up in this thing. Why? Because you don't have any belief that God can actually pour himself out in these last days like he says he will? demonstrations of the power of God is what we need to be believing for. Amen. So God, this is how it all starts. God says to Gideon, hey, I've called you. He sends an angel, says you're a mighty man of valor. Gideon's hiding out. Many of you know the story. He's hiding out and he feels like a wimp, a loser. And, uh, and God says, the angel says, hey, I'm calling you to assemble this army. You're a mighty man of valor. I've called you to put this together. And Gideon says, well, hold on. Are you talking to me? Like, are you talking to me? Because not only am I not that put together, but even my family's not that put together. And as, as a matter of fact, my family is the least of all the families in this tribe, and I'm the least of everyone in my family. So if you're calling somebody to bring about this great victory, you got the wrong guy. 
And I just wonder if how many of us feel the same way as Gideon. You take a look at social media and current events, and you see God saying, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to restore hope, and I'm going to put things. And we look around and go, are you, are you sure? Because, like, you know, the world doesn't like Christians, and we don't have much influence, and they're trying to censor us. Are you sure we're going to be able to do this? God uses weak things to do strong things. Are you with me? So the enemy will always challenge what God calls. You're a mighty man of valor. And he looks around and he says, I don't see that. And the enemy's going to say, see, look at it. among your family, among the tribes. God's calling you to something. He's calling you to give the enemy a nightmare. He's calling you to, to move and make a difference. You're going to say, well, but I wasn't brought up right. And I don't have the right resources. And I don't have the... What did God call you? And that's what you do. Are you with me? Yeah. So Gideon, the scripture says he tells him to blow his trumpet to gather up this army and 32,000 show up to fight the Midianites. And so there's 32,000 versus half a million. So they're greatly outnumbered in the beginning, right? And so Gideon's like, well, I guess I got these 32,000. Let's see what we can do. And then God says, well, hold on. He says, I'm going to tell you uh, before you go into this battle, tell everyone, so those 32,000, if any of them are afraid, tell them to go home. So he's like, no, hold on one second. If any of them are afraid, you realize we're outnumbered 32 to a half a million. I'm pretty sure we're all afraid. <laughs> like, did, did you say any of them are afraid? Yeah, any of them are afraid. Why? Because fear is the dark place where you develop your negatives. You've all heard that before. If you let yourself live in fear, 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 that negativity that you're allowing becomes developed in your life. You might as well count on it. Fear, fear, you're worrying, you're wanting, and then you start speaking negative. And the scripture says life and death is in the power of your tongue. So you start saying it and you start creating it by your words. God knows if this is going to work, then you got to get the people that are fearful and developing their negatives. They got to get out of the camp. Are you with me? So send all the fearful home because sometimes it takes more faith to stay with something than it does to leave. People are so spiritual all the time. Well, the Lord has called me on to something else, right? And that's fine. That happens. There's seasons. The scripture says there's a time and a season and, and that's blessed. But what I don't like is when we make God out to look schizophrenic. You, hey, bud, how's it going? What are you up to? I'm like, well, God's called me to this great big ministry and I see all these things and he's got all this stuff. Okay, cool. Three months later. So how's that thing going? Oh, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. God's called me to do this. And you're like, okay. Four months later. Hey, so how's that other thing you, God told you to do that you were talking? Oh, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. God's not called you to do this. Man, that God changes his mind a lot, doesn't he? Why? Because sometimes the greatest ability is stickability. Putting your hand to the plow and not looking back. Saying, hey, others may leave. Others may walk out of this thing. But God's called me to it. He's assigned me to it. Come hell or high water. I'm not leaving it. Are you with me? So he says, get the ones that are going to flake out. Let, let them go. That's why they say 90% of all businesses that fail, fail simply because they just give up too soon. Psalm 23, 2 says, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. God is saying, look, in this place, sometimes it's important for you to just abide. Stick with it. Stay with it. Like just, just, just trust him in the place that you're in and he'll keep things green for you. Are you with me? It was only by persistence that the snail made it on the ark. Just day by day. It's like, oh, I got to get. Oh, he's like just snailing his, I'm going to see a victor. Just every day. He's just trying to take a way maker. The snail. There goes the cheetah, right? There goes the, 
thoroughbred. There goes all the things, that snail, just day by day. Because the greatest ability is stickability. He's just sliming his way to the promise. Are you with me? But can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? His reward was equal to the cheetah and the thing and everybody else, right? Your pace and your process doesn't have to match everybody else's. If yours, you understand what I'm saying? Stickability, stay with it. God's got a reward. That's why the scripture says, don't let yourself grow weary in this stuff. Because if you're a person who doesn't give up, if you stick with it, stickability, there's a reward for you. Are you with me? Unfortunately, the reward is usually on the other side of the worst thing you ever want to go through, right? Daniel was leading us. He's that valley. He was saying, this is that valley. You're with us. And you've prepared a place for us in the table of our enemies. There's just these processes we got to get to. Are you with me? All I know is I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to grow weary. So check this out. He whittles it down. He says, okay, those that are fearful, you got to get out of here. Now he's down to 10,000. So certainly, you know, that's a huge thing. So think about it for him. He's going from the 30,000 to the 10,000. So think about this. Two out of every three people, right? Give him a no. I'm leaving you. He said, no, God's called us, and we're going to win, and we're going to overthrow the Midianites, and God's called me a mighty man of valor. You've got to believe it. It's my assignment. Will you come with me? And they're like, no. Now, here's the interesting thing that you got to know about a no. No's aren't usually just no, period. Usually it's no, and here's my explanation for why I don't believe in you. Ain't that right? People that leave you, it's not usually, or situations that leave you, or things that fall apart, it's usually not just, hey, no, I'm going to think, it's usually no, and then they start saying why they're better than, or, or they start saying what you're doing is not good enough, and how you didn't take care of me, and how, are you with me? Yeah. You're not meeting my needs, and, da, da, and, they, and so all of, what I'm trying to say is this, all the words come with the no. So here's Gideon, and he's getting all these no's. But you got to think the things that are being collected in those no's are all of the words. You're not a mighty man of value. You're the least of your thing. You're not going to be able to do this. You can't do that. And, and are you with only 32,000 people showed up? What do you think you're going to be able to do? There's a half a minute. So he's hearing all of the critics, all of the negative words, all of the poor headlines, right? We could do the same thing. We could look at all the things online. We could look at all the stuff and we could hear all the negativity. Or we could just hold to what God's called us to and speak his prophetic promises. Are you with me? And so he's like, look, here's the deal. People say, oh, you know, what comes with the nose is the words. Jericho. People, look at those guys marching. They think the walls are going to fall. This wall's never coming down. Look at those jokers trying to. And so they're getting all the rejection. They're hearing all the words while they're still walking obediently. Goliath shows up. That little David, the shepherd boy on the mountain, he's going to take down the thing? Never. Goliath will never fall because the words come with the, the Red Sea. What's Moses going to do? Part of Red Sea? That's hilarious. Why is he going that way? With And then the, it parts. There's no way out of a fiery furnace. What are they thinking? They're going to follow God all the way into a furnace? Are you with me today? Am I preaching the truth? Daniel in the lion's den, you don't get out of lion's dens. How's that going to happen? So you're hearing all the words on top of the no's and the rejections, and you're getting all of the things. Can I tell you what COVID has taught me? 
you're never going to make everybody happy. <laughs> That's my lesson. <laughs> so guess what I don't care about? Making everybody happy. <laughs> I care about making one person happy. Two people happy. My wife, too. It's better life when you have a happy wife. <laughs> that was saved it. Did you see me save it? <clears throat> saved it. That was close. Whew. All right. I only care about making God happy. Did God say it? Did God commission it? Did God appoint it? Did God speak it? Does God's word say it? Then that's all I need to go with. Doesn't matter what they're saying along the way. Doesn't matter what people are saying along the If God said it, I'm going with it. Are you with me? That's why the scripture says when we're weak, when two-thirds walk out on you, when two-thirds of the time you thought it was going to be a breakthrough and it wasn't a breakthrough, when all those things happen, when we feel weak, that's when he's strong. When we're down to nothing, God's up to something. Are you with me? Uh, I think sometimes the greatest thing we can tell God is, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. You know why? Because God gets to say, oh, good. I was waiting for you to say that so that I could do it for you. Right? God, oh, I just feel like I'm down to nothing and I got all this kind of stuff. I was hoping you would get to that point because now I'm going to carry you through it. Let me help you get to the promise. Are you with me? So just because it doesn't look good on paper doesn't mean that it's over. Are you with me? That's why the scripture says we give angels charge over thee. He's got people working on our behalf. So God now says this. I'm sure Gideon's like, all right, so we we, we got rid of, of that many and we got it down to this. Surely this whole testing process is over. And then God says, no, what I'm actually need you to do is go down to the river and what you need to do is you need to have them lay their weapons down, lay all their stuff down, and then I need you to have them cup their hand, those that cup their hands. So the test was those that put everything down and cup their hands to take a drink, those are the ones that are going to stay with you. So watch for the ones who cup their hands and drink the water. Why? Because God is running a test to see those who have clean hands and empty hands. It's this picture of, are you somebody with pure hands and clean hands and righteous hands? You care about purity in your life. Are you with me? You're not just falling for the standards of the world and accepting whatever you can get away with. Instead, you're saying, no, God, I want righteousness and holiness in my life. Are you with me? The other thing about the empty hands is they had to lay down their carnal things. They had to put down their weapons. They had to put down their securities. Are you with me? And say, I'm going to do this with empty hands. Why? Because there's times where God calls us to lay down. If you want to be the, the enemy, if you want to be the people who give the enemy a nightmare, you got to sometimes be people who lay down the carnal things of this world. Meaning your trust is not in your bank account. Your trust is not in your buddies. Your trust is not in your background and your upbringing. Instead, your trust is in clean and empty hands and what God wants to put in them. Are you with me? clean and empty hands. The problem is we come into church with our spiritual agendas. Our hands are full of spiritual agenda. Well, I think it should be like this and we should sing it like that. And I don't like it like this. Are you with me? Let's come here. We got this spiritual agenda. We don't got clean and empty hands. We got this. Sometimes we come into church and we got shame of our past. And we think about our, the guy, the enemy's always reminding us of how we came up short and we're not good enough. And God is saying, no, clean and empty hands. Worship me. Clean and empty hands so I can put in what I have for you. Not this service, it's first service, people that do this. But we come into church with scorecards. We're judging other people. Did you see that they're doing that? Oh, look at them, they're doing that. Did you know that? And we're judging, judging, judging. It's not clean and empty hands. Are you with me? 
That's why Paul says this in Philippians. He says, look, it's not that I've made it. It's not that I've arrived. I haven't apprehended. But one thing I do know is I forget the former things so that I can reach forward for the things that you have for me. Can I get an amen? Amen. What is he talking about? He's saying you got to have empty hands to be able to reach forward and grab hold of what God has for you. So we got to be people that are reaching forward clean and empty hands. Scripture says this, uh, so go and sneak into the enemy's camp. I'll close with this. So he tells them, listen, go to the enemy's camp and check this out. And when they're there, there's this nightmare that's happened, right? And so the, the Midianite says this. He says, I had this dream of barley bread tumbling its way into our camp and destroying us, right? What's amazing about this symbol in this picture is barley bread is like the least of the bread. It's the poor people's bread. Okay, and so this picture here is this barley bread. Yes, being Gideon was the least, right? He was the least of his camp. He was the least of this thing, meaning he didn't have it all together. It wasn't by might. It wasn't by strength. It was by the spirit. Certainly wasn't by ability. It was by God's hand. So what I'm here to tell you today is this. You may be here and be like, oh, I'm just a barley bread person. I can't do much for God. I'm the least in my family. You don't know my background. I don't understand all this church stuff. There's no way I could ever make a difference. God uses weakness to bring about his strengths. Are you with me? This picture tells us you don't got to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be the all put together in your neighborhood and in your thing. None of us are. But if we can go and trust him and go with God, he can do it. Barley bread. You say, man, I just feel like right now, Christians are barley bread people. We're the least of these in this world. We're ridiculed, we're criticized, we're talked down on, we're suppressed. Um, We could start using the word, we're persecuted, right? And so we start saying, how are we ever, ever gonna bring about the change that God talks about in the end times? How are we ever gonna bring about hope and restore what God has set? How are we ever gonna do that? I love what Rick Warren said, I tweeted this week. For 2,000 years, enemies have predicted the death of Christianity, but we keep rising. We get that from our founder. We ain't going anywhere. I got a rap on the tip of my tongue. Daniel, you might know this. And this is, where's Travis at? He's my music guy. Is he in here? What's that song? We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going. Is that Diddy? I was a Christian kid. I don't know. Someone told me at youth group about that song. That's our theme, man. We're not going anywhere. It's bad boys for life, right? Is that what the next thing is? Make that one a shirt too, Andrew. I like that one too. We're not going to be defeated. We've already won. We got the cheat code. Are you with me? So the enemy, here's how it works. God says, listen, there's three things that qualify us. You got to have these three abilities to qualify you to be somebody who gives the enemy a nightmare. He has them do three things. He says, listen, They're down to 300 people. He asked these three things. Give them all a glass pitcher, a candle, and a trumpet. And then when I tell you, have them break the glass pitcher, the light will shine, and they have to blow a trumpet of praise. If you want to know how to give the enemy a nightmare, if you want to know how to be a person who can intimidate hell, you have to be a person who's able to be broken, still shine a light, and still give praise unto God. In your brokenness, you still shine a light. You still give a shout of praise. When you're broken, you have to keep your ability to let the light shine. Listen, I'm a preacher and I do this for life, for life. Uh, But can I tell you something? 
We're not going to change the world by way of sermon, by way of song, and all these things are great, by way of church program, by way of slick church graphics. The scripture says in the book of Isaiah, arise, shine, for your light has come. All will be drawn. How? If we have the ability to be broken and still shine and still give praise. I love sermons. I love songs. I love all these things. But if we can be a people unto the world who in our brokenness still shine lights, still give praise. That's the way that the world is going to say, what's different about them? We keep trying to hold them down. We keep trying to push them back. We keep, but this light keeps coming from them. Even in their brokenness, there's this shout of praise that comes from them. Are you with me? I wish it came by way of all the good things that happened to us, right? I wish it came by all of the fun things that are easy to shout. But can you come here and still shine your light and give a shout of praise when you get a bad doctor's report? Or do you only do it when you get a raise? Are you with me? Do we only do it when the prayer gets, prayer request gets met and God moves on our behalf? Or do we do it when everything falls apart and is broken? We're still shining a light. Because here's the truth. And I don't like all these church statements, but they're just truths. And I wish we didn't have to go through them, but it's this. Ministry that costs you nothing accomplishes nothing. If we want to make everything cute and slick and fun and safe, it's not going to accomplish anything. It's called religion. But if we want to take up our cross and crucify ourselves like the scripture has called us to, that's where we see people set free. So I don't like to sign up for it. Nobody's like, you know, it'd be really fun. It's a ministry that really costs me something because it does, by the way. If you want blessing, there's going to be some bleeding, right? Your misery is your ministry. Everybody's like, oh, that's a tear. I'm out. <laughs> All my Facebook users are like, I'm saying it like this. Think about it like this. That thing that you went through, you'd be surprised. That's going to preach more than a sermon ever will. When you went through that miserable season, they lied about you and they fired you and they cheated you. And they stole from you. And they abused you. All those things, all those mis misery seasons. If you can lay those at the foot of the cross and say, God, I want you to use these. I want you to restore these. I want you to make what the enemy meant for evil turn for good. If we can do that, then that misery season becomes your ministry season. I love sermons. I love, you heard me say it a million times, but you want to know how you're going to make a difference with your neighbor and your coworker and your whatever you lead them. You say, Oh, I see you're in this season. I was in that season once too. And it's miserable. But can I tell you something? God's got a plan for you. And we can turn that misery into ministry and we can see people lifted up out of the miry clay, lifted up out of the mud and set up on a solid rock. Why? Because we're allowing God to break us so that our light shines and we praise along the way. Are you with me? That's how we give the enemy a nightmare. We be those kind of people who in our brokenness, we praise and we shine light and we trust God. I'm tired of giving the enemy credit. We give him way too much power. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'll pray for you. All right, I'll pray. And then I got a couple cool announcements for you to take off. Just some stuff we got going. So... Um,
Yeah, let's do it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you move today. Lord, we say thank you for joining. Uh, Lord, you never leave us or forsake us, but Lord, we thank you for, for touching our lives in a special way today. Lord, we just give you thanks that you don't leave us or forsake us, that you're moving in our hearts. And so God, I pray that you give us the ability to to see and understand that you are leading. You're making a way before us. You are powerful. Um, we give too much credit to the enemy, and Lord, we ask your forgiveness for that. Lord, I pray that you motivate us, encourage us to be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.